Hello, this is Dream Chaser Tina Clarice Williams with Amy J and Chasing Dreams. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Amy J with you, and I am bringing to you another amazing Dream Chaser, someone you guys should hear. It's Tina C. Williams, my friend. Tina is an, an entrepreneur, author, attorney, and educator. Her quote-unquote day job is running her company, T-Secure LLC, which provides security, intelligence, and critical infrastructure protection services to clients. Tina holds the following certifications, the Certified Information System Security Professional and the Project Management Professional certifications. In addition to her role as T-Secure's founder and president, Tina is an adjunct instructor for UMBC's Graduate Cybersecurity Program and a member of the Maryland Bar and the NICE 365 Industry Advisory Board. She's very busy, as you can tell. So, but completely unrelated to that, or related to cybersecurity at all, Tina is also a recently published author of a book of poetry titled Life, Living is for Eternity. And that's actually why I wanted to bring her on the show. So, hey, Tina. Hi, Amy. So, as I was telling the people, I wanted to bring you on the show to talk about your book. Yes. You, my friend, are an author. Yes, excited. How amazing is that? And this is a, a recent release. I believe it was October that your book yes. was published. Yes. October October 2015 for anyone who's listening in the future. And how is it doing? It's doing pretty well. I think that I certainly need some more marketing by doing some of the open mics and traveling some of the circuits. Unfortunately, I haven't had the bandwidth to market it in that way yet. I've largely marketed to family and friends and some of my professional networks. So with the marketing that I've done, I think that it's doing well. And certainly I know what needs to be done to have it get even broader exposure. But right now, it's just a matter of bandwidth between my company and trying to get the marketing done for the poetry book life. However, I do plan to increase my marketing tactics and doing some of the open mics, etc. So that I can broaden the exposure and this interview is a really great outlet as well. Well, let's let's be fair to the audience. Hey, guys, Tina is she published this herself? Yes, right? I mean, You wrote this yourself. And actually, you know what? Let, let me back up. Tina, why don't you tell the audience, what is life about? 
So life is a book of poetry that I've written over the past 16 years. So the way I initially started writing poetry actually was to make it look like I was taking copious notes in undergrad when we'd have these meetings and lecture sessions. Sneaky, sneaky girl. Yes, sneaky, sneaky. So I figured it would look better if I were writing versus just having my head slammed out at a desk with Z's coming up. So that's actually how I started uh, doing a lot of the writing. Uh, but I compiled a lot of the pieces um, about, uh, let's see, nine years ago, back in 2006. So I went through several journals. I'm a journaler and napkins and paper towels and things like that from over the years. And in 2006, I compiled everything, but I didn't at that time have a specific plan for publishing. And then earlier this year, 2015, I came back across the book when I was searching for some other material. And I was like, you know what, I ought to take the poems that I compiled back then in 2006. And the poems that I'd written since then through uh, this year 2015, and finally publish. So after that, I made an entire project plan and set a date and went about doing the research to determine what it would take to self publish. And that was going to be my, my next question. Mm-hmm. How do you figure out how to self-publish? Is it was it an easy process? Were there tutorials, YouTube uh, videos? Yeah, you know what? I actually found the Smashwords approach to be very straightforward and helpful. So Smashwords, in essence, is a clearinghouse, if you will. I think that's the best way to describe it in terms of how you're able to use their platform to reach multiple uh, other platforms. So in essence, they walk you through the whole process and provide documentation on how e-publishing is a little bit different from regular publishing, the types of considerations that you'd want to have when you're doing e-publishing, what some of the more important factors are in e-publishing, how to structure or format the book in order for it to appear in as many electronic formats as possible. And so essentially they have relationships with iBooks and Amazon and Scribd and Kobo and other ebook platforms. And so the benefit is that you can publish your book through Smashwords and through that means it gets published to these other platforms as well. So you have one central place where you can manage most of your ebook sales and the content that gets pushed out to these various platforms. And so you, before you could do that, though, you had to have an actual book that you were happy with. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the tra- the process of, of compiling everything? And did some poems not make the cut? Did you revise anything? And how oh. many revisions did you go through entirely? Yeah, definitely. A lot of poems did not make the cut. So my process literally entailed scouring through journal after journal after journal. And mind you, I have journals 
going back to probably age nine, I think. So none of the pieces that made it into the final cut were from that time period, uh, anytime before about 19 or so. So most of mine were uh, the poems that made it into the book were after I passed into adulthood. Uh, but nonetheless... <laughs> In terms of the journals that I had to go through uh, in computer files and literally napkins, pieces of paper, things that I'd stuck, whatever I could write on, I had just so many different pieces of both digital as well as hard copy media to go through. And then once I compiled it, I read through all of the poems and went through and put little comment boxes next to them in digital form saying, keep, scrap, maybe, keep, scrap, maybe. And so I went through that flow and then I went back and said, okay, no, I read it on some on a different day and thought, no, 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 that's got to go. I'm, I'm not really feeling that that much. So in terms of the number of times that I went through it, um, also having to reorganize the poems so that there was a division by chapters and there was a natural progression or flow. And I'd say mm, that was... Gosh, uh, maybe seven, eight, nine, ten times. Uh, really? Personally, yeah. And then I sent it off to uh, my dad. He's very detailed oriented from a grammar, structure, punctuation perspective. Literally, he could be a. Uh, uh, an editor. I think that's that's his unofficial title for me. Uh, but I sent it to him. And poetry is a little bit different because there's a lot of slang, colloquial terms, things like that that get used in poetry. And it's intended to be in there and, and use the play on. It's the, the art of language, if you will. But just sent it to him just to make sure the things that should be spelled accurately or a certain way actually were spelled that way. So I got him to review the book a couple of times. I got some of my other uh, family and friends just from an artistic perspective to review it, give me some feedback. And after that, I went through and made a few more revisions uh, until I was, was happy with it. So were enough poems left out that there's chance for a volume two? Um, I don't, the number of them likely, yes. The, uh, to me, the quality of them, no. Okay, uh, I think enough. that Yes, yes, yes. So I, I think it would be mostly new material uh, if, if a volume two were to get produced. But now that you've actually published, and we can call you a published author. Yes. Have you been bitten by the bug, do you think? Do you think there's more books in you? Maybe not poetry, but fiction, nonfiction, or... Oh, yeah, there is. In fact, this poetry book jumped ahead of another book that... I, again, started writing back in 2006 uh, called uh, Our Father's Business, uh, and that's nonfiction. It's really focused on the life of a believer in Christ and what that really looks like. Uh, so that's a book that I've had edited, I've reviewed, revised many, 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 many times over than even the, the poetry book. Uh, the latest revision, I actually had a Jewish colleague of mine review the content and give me feedback on this Christian book uh, just to see how he would respond to it and what kind of feedback he would provide from an Old Testament perspective 
And it was really enlightening, very good feedback. Uh, he's a technical writer. He runs a, a, um, a proposal uh, development company that includes a lot of technical editing, et cetera. So both from a technical editing, editing perspective, he gave good feedback, and then also from a substantive um uh, theology sort of perspective. He gave some good feedback. So uh, that I actually have to go back through and make the edits pursuant to his revisions. I got his feedback in September. So um, I'm not quite sure when I'll get the time in to go back through to make those edits. But that is another one that is waiting to be introduced to the world. So it definitely sounds like you have several dreams happening here at different times. The yes. book being one of them. Yes. Right. And that came out. And then this potential one that you're you're working on, but at the moment has to be put on the back burner. Yes. Right. Yes. Because one of your bigger dreams is actually taking up most of your time. Yes. Is that yes. fair to say? Yes, that is fair to say. So why don't you talk a little bit about this big dream you've had and, and when did it begin? So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I was the uh, kid that was having the lemonade stands, the pet sitting company, the babysitting company. In fact, I remember one Saturday in particular, this one Air Force base my dad was stationed at, they had a golf course on the base and the golfers used to hit the golf balls into this creek that was near our house. So I had the idea to say, hey, we'll go scour the creek for the golf balls, wash them off and sell them back with lemonade back to the golfers. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So I remember one Saturday we made this whopping $20, which was just so much to, you know, like a five or six year old. And I remember thinking, OK, and I got to split this thing about five ways between me, my siblings and our two friends. <laughs> so um, but yeah, it was um, it was exciting. Um, I started a software development company right out of college with a friend of mine, but then realized software development wasn't a passion of mine to have to put in the work required for a small business. Uh, so we ultimately went our separate ways. He started another software development company. Uh, years later, I started my current company, uh, T-Secure. Uh, but even before T-Secure, I'd started a nonprofit uh, called Infrastructure 180. Uh, I found that while a nonprofit, I think many of them are great. Um, it's uh, I find it just being a better pro uh, process to take the money that I make from a for-profit and fund the social justice and other causes that I'm really passionate about. So uh, T-Secure, I started in September 2012, uh, but um, I didn't start working it full-time until January 1st, 2014. So it was something that was always on my mind that I wanted to get back into being an entrepreneur again, uh, doing services, providing services that I was really passionate about. And cybersecurity services are um, ones that I really enjoy. I think it's such a broad field. I got into it initially when I... Uh, saw the movie The Net with Sandra Bullock. I look back at that movie now and I laugh. But I want to say, what's that? Nineteen? That was in the nineties. Ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And was it ninety nine? It was ninety. Yeah, I want to say ninety nine, or it might have been two thousand two. No. Um, I remember it was either right as like not too long after graduating high school, or not too long after wrapping up college. It was at one of those two. Junctures uh, of life. Yeah. Um, 95, dude. Was it 95? 95. Oh, my God. 
gosh, yeah. Even further wow. back, guys. Oh, This God. is when we all were in high school. Yes, yeah, because that's when I took, actually, that is, that's when I took my first, uh, my first programming class. Uh, I learned Pascal, dating myself a bit. <laughs> so you were bitten by the bug. Yes, yes, yep. Yep, definitely uh, liked the whole computer security uh, kind of topic and, um, yeah, got bit and I bit into the apple and I'm, I'm continuing to chew. <laughs> but you, so in college though, what was your background? Um, I did computer science uh, when uh, I was at UMBC getting my bachelor's. So I started out as a, a software developer with a computer science background. And then, so you've had this interest and you kind of saw it through and it went through different iterations, I'm guessing, yes. as you, yes. as you kind of came around. And then you also went to law school. Yes. What yes. was the motivation behind that? I mean, you know, I, uh, it's interesting because I have this placard at my house that was an interview, but with my, um, uh, the buddy of mine and I that started the software company at a college. And one of the interview questions just pertained to what are your future dreams? So this was back in 2003. And I mentioned then that I imagined getting a, a, a law degree and pursuing that route uh, to provide services to underrepresented, underprivileged communities and really uh, working on their behalf. So uh, a part of the impetus with the law degree continues to be applying it in more of a social justice capacity. Mm -hmm. uh, from a business perspective, um, uh, I'm really interested in taking the route of incorporating e-discovery and computer forensics into T-Secure's service offerings. But that just requires a little bit more re market research to see exactly which segment or niche of the market I want to apply that. So you kind of went through, you did nonprofit. You yes. had this this company, T-Secure. And you did computer science, you did law, but you, you had T-Secure before law school, didn't you? I did it... not start T-Secure until after law school. Right? Okay, but if I remember correctly, and law school wasn't that long ago, nope. they don't teach you how to start a business. No, no. So what did you do? Did you just kind of feel, it, feel along and say, all right, one step at a time? Yes. Yeah, it really was. It was great that I'd started a couple of companies, the software development company right out of college, the nonprofit. That helped grease the skids a bit in terms of what sort of registrations were required in the state, some considerations to make with respect to the type of business, whether you wanted it to be a sole proprietorship or a limited liability company or incorporation, et cetera. So some of that was learning by trial as well, leading up to starting T-Secure. But there's so many different elements related to business that were introduced with T-Secure that I had to use mentors, other individuals that had started companies, asking them in terms of how to choose a healthcare plan. Uh, there's all this stuff about um, uh, affordable healthcare and how to choose a financial planner, a tax planner uh, from a business perspective, because uh, a tax person perhaps that was good and a good fit for just an individual wasn't necessarily the best pick for a company. So there were so many things that I had to learn by getting mentorship, asking questions and 
some just trial and error and it's continuing as as new uh, horizons and other challenges present themselves. Now, were you nervous, though? I mean, because starting your own company is a scary process. I mean, not just the fact that you started a company, but you have employees under you, right? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Were you nervous? Um, definitely. It's definitely very, um, it's a scary step. Uh, I think for me, I was very fortunate to have a client already lined up one client, at least from a consulting perspective that would pay for my time was enough, uh, pay and compensation to pay for me. Um, and I gave myself a salary reduction, quite a significant salary reduction, uh, in the interest of growing the business. Uh, but nonetheless, it was enough to be able to cover the expenses that I had. So that was a very uh, fortunate thing because it can take a while and it did take several months by the time you, even when I started new employees uh, within a couple of months. Uh, so I started running the company full-time in January, 2014. I brought on my second full-time employee other than myself in March of that year, but it was several months before I actually got paid for the work that that employee was doing. And yet I'm responsible for meeting payroll on a regular schedule. So there's a lot to consider there when you're looking at, okay, how much do I really need to have in savings to be able to close the gap while certain clients are slow to pay? So Right. Cause that's, that's another story in and of itself. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, you know, I really tell people that, uh, you know, that's one of the biggest things you want to look at is just how much coverage do you have financially, just making sure that that's in place because your employees have obligations as well. They have monthly rent, they have mortgages, et cetera. And so when you're trying to keep and retain the best talent, you definitely want to give the experience and the feel of a big company, the safety of a big company, even as you're a small company. Uh, and, and, and making payroll consistently and on time and accurately is one of the, the best ways to demonstrate and express, uh, the stability of a company. Now, in the whole process of hiring employees, finding clients, yes, was that daunting in and of itself? I mean, cause just you yourself and, and you, that's mm -hmm. different. Right. But now you're responsible for people. You have to find clients. That yeah. seems like it'd be a job in and of itself. It is. It is. And as a and as an entrepreneur working for yourself, it's not like you have all these separate departments where, oh, you know what? Here's my contracts department. Here's my business development department. Here's my human resources department. And oh, over here, here's my back office administrative department. Right. Welcome to... <laughs> All of those departments in one person. So, you know, you outsource where you can, but you really can't outsource relationships. So when you're talking about recruiting and finding the best people or when you're talking about engaging clients or when you're talking about interacting with your own staff, those are the types of relationships that you can't truly outsource. So it's something that has to be cultivated by you as the business owner at first until you grow to a 
point where you have other employees that you know share your values with the company that are interfacing with your clients, with potential hires, and with existing employees. Wow. So you, I mean, you had to go through all this. You're still doing it successfully today. Yes. And- yes. Yes. It's uh, well. Uh, my 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 spiritual beliefs certainly help in that. I believe I can do anything that is uh, put in front of me. So I definitely make prayerful decisions. But yes, I, I do things that I feel I've been given the grace to do. But it's it's nonetheless challenging. Um, but um, yeah, still still moving, still chasing. So not to jump to, to the last segment, but before we get to the, the next segment, just what would you just say to someone who kind of has that ambition to have their own company like that? Um, you know what? I would definitely say um, do your do your research. Really understand um, what the the market is that you're going into, and then also do introspection. Really understand who and how you are as a person because there's a lot of different options. You could want to just work for yourself and be that lone consultant and that's your business and that's fine. That's great. Or you may want to build a company that has multiple employees and you want to build it to this grand uh, organization. So just really understanding like a heart check for yourself, uh, who you are, what's consistent with what you want, and then also just the market that you're entering into. Uh, how do you want to differentiate yourself? Uh, who else is currently in there? So yeah, just doing the research and the introspection, I think is a, a really solid first step. I think that's great advice, guys. If you're considering doing your own thing, definitely look inside yourself. Now, Tina, if, if there's a dream chaser out there who wants to reach out, do you, would you be open to that? Yes, definitely. Yep. Okay, I guys. For a lot. Mm-hmm. We will definitely have Tina's contact information in the show notes. So Reach out to her. I mean, she's someone who's experienced this, been through it. Just like she had mentors, she could be your mentor. So ask around. Yes. So, Tina, before we wrap up or anything, we got to play a game. Okay. It's called Rapid Fire. Okay. And the way the game works is, for anyone who hasn't listened to any of the episodes previously, you pick a number between one and three. And based on that, you and I are going to go back and forth, alternating and um, basically, we just kind of name things that are associated with that topic. Okay. Okay. And the first person to hesitate, say something clearly wrong, or <laughs> or just repeat a previous answer right. um, is out. Okay. Okay? Sounds All right. Good. So pick a number between one and three. I'll go for one. Everyone's picking one lately. <laughs> uh, careers. Employees. No, 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 no. <laughs> Oh, okay. So it's just different types of careers. Okay, okay, great. Okay, so it, it, I guess an employee is a career, kind of, sort of. Oh, okay. So you're saying so like musician or careers. teacher. Okay, okay, I got you. Cool. Yes. Cool. You you want to go first? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, plumber. Drummer. Teacher. Electrician. <laughs> what? <laughs> I suck at this, Amy. I suck. I suck. You win. (laughs) Wow. I thought you had several more in there. Lawyer? I did too. I don't know what to blame it on. Your bio alone. You alone 
could have named all of these. Yes, yes. I could have just gone through the list of my hats, right? Okay, so in my defense, guys, I did explain the game to Tina previously yes, before yes. we got online. Okay, so no. I just want to make sure nobody's like, Amy, that's just unfair. She probably didn't know. No, no, it's completely on me. I'm sitting here like a deer in headlights, like... I don't know any other career. <laughs> hey, you picked the number. I did. Oh, my gosh. No worries. No worries. We'll, we'll practice this in another time. And next time you come on the show, you'll do better. Yes. Yes. I'll be number one next time. There <laughs> so, Tina, it's time for your corner. Okay. If a dream chaser came to you, what is one thing you would recommend to them? Whether it be a book, a quote, um, anything, what would you say? Uh, you know what? I would say this. There's this one scripture and I'm going to paraphrase it. Uh, it's, uh, it says, despise not the day of small beginnings. And that's something that sticks with me because sometimes you feel like you're having to compete against so many different giants in the industry that you can start to really uh, shirk back sometimes and you just realize, you know what, the little small uh, seed is now an oak tree. So don't despise or take for granted the day of small beginnings because uh, you're full of great potential. I love that. I love yes. it. Just like this show started yes. from small beginnings, guys. Love it. Yes. And now we're growing and Yep. Yes. Greatness becomes you and tracing dreams, Amy. Oh, thanks, Tina. Yes, I truly mean that. <laughs> You're such a sweetheart. And thank you so much for being on the show and sharing not only your personal story about the poems that you've published, but also your story about your your business. Because you're doing so many things that you seem to love. I just I mean, I wanted to share that. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate the encouragement and thank you for having me. Thank you once again to my friend Tina for checking in and sharing her dream chase story with us. Please be sure to check out the show notes page at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 20. That's episode two zero to get more information about all the links Tina has shared with us today, as well as to find out how you can get a copy of her book of poetry called Life. Living is for eternity. And until next time, folks, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at chasingdreamshq.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. <laughs>